The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today we are going to discuss Spider-Man No Way Home. And let me tell you, besides the fact that we haven't been to the movies in the past couple of years, this was the best movie I've seen in a very long time. I mean, it was fantastic. Needless to say, there will be a great deal of spoilers in this episode. Please take heed and watch the film before listening to the rest of this podcast. So to recap a little, after the events of Spider-Man Far From Home, with Spider-Man's identity now revealed courtesy of Mysterio, our friendly neighborhood web-slinger is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life as Peter Parker from his superhero identity as Spider-Man. Desperate to protect his friends and Aunt May, Peter asks for help from Doctor Strange. And during the spell, he gets distracted and all dimensional hell breaks loose. You ready? I'm ready. Nice knowing you, Spider-Man. Wait, excuse me? The entire world's about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone? Uh, can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So my girlfriend's just gonna forget about everything we've been through? I mean, is she even gonna be my girlfriend? All right, fine. Everyone in the world's gonna forget that you're Spider-Man, except your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Oh my god, Ned. Okay, let's not change the parameters of this spell anymore while I'm casting Okay, I'm done, it. I'm done. I, I swear I'm done, I'm done. Now, but my Aunt May should really know. <laughs> just oh, stop god. talking. That about sums up the initial premise of this film. I'd like to discuss the nature of the crowd participation and reactions during this film. The energy of the crowd was just so electric that it had my emotional spidey senses just tingling. It literally tripled my emotional response to this film. Not since Avengers Endgame have I felt that much energy. What is it about sharing experiences like this with crowds that makes seeing movies so much more fun and exciting? So I don't actually remember if this is the case, but I think Endgame might have been the last movie we saw together prior to Spider-Man No Way Home in the movie theater. I don't remember. Me neither. Two years of not going to the movies. <laughs> Has been a while. Uh, but I remember seeing Endgame for the first time, and it had 
this kind of energy, this kind of electric energy, as you said, where all the audience members were so into the film and we saw it a couple of times, the participation, it was the audience participation that really made it feel as if we we're a part of the movie. And you're right. There's the fact that we haven't really been to the movies in a couple of years, but then being a part of such an excited crowd that cheered every time something really exciting happened, every time a beloved character came into the scene and yelled and applauded every time a character from a different universe appeared, it made it that much livelier. It made it more exciting. I think we as empathic people really jive with the energy of other people. So I think my own unique excitement, but then coupled with the excitement of other people, it multiplied. And I think it made the movie that much more exciting to watch and seeing people dressed in full, either Spider-Man or Venom or what have you outfit, right? There, there were so many cosplayers in the movie theater made this experience truly special because of how many loyal fans there were. We went on opening night and seeing it with that energy, with that crowd, I think made it truly unforgettable. Truly amazing. All in all, it was just a fantastic time out at the movies. And it was a very welcoming way to be reintroduced to that magic. When Peter's identity is revealed, half of society is supportive, while the other half condemns him and still believes that Mysterio was a good guy and that Peter killed him. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker. Are you Spider-Man's girlfriend? Is in fact. Are you Spider-Man's girlfriend? Whoa, 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 Please don't touch her. You're just a kid. You murdered Mysterio. Helped him murder Mysterio. No, I didn't. Come on, anybody? All this time, people looked up to this boy and called him a hero. Well, I'll tell you what I call him: public enemy number one. Now that Spider-Man's identity is revealed, Peter becomes a target. Why does it sometimes appear that some people get off on destroying a hero's character and will attack them in this manner? First of all, for some people, I think they're maybe looking for a scapegoat of things that have gone wrong. But I also think for a lot of other people, there is human nature that responds to fear. When we're afraid of something new of something unfamiliar a lot of times rather than getting to know a person that's different from us for instance it's easy to assume that they're a monster it's easy to dehumanize them and i think that's what's happening here instead of trying to understand what happened people just see peter parker as somehow different as somehow not quote unquote, not normal. They see his unique super abilities as dangerous. And I think that it's easy for people to create this otherness. And unfortunately, it's this behavior that actually perpetuates more of the very kind of violence that, uh, that Spider-Man is trying to fight. Yeah, it's just too bad. He doesn't know what to do. He gets really desperate, <laughs> you know, because not only is it affecting him, it, is, it starts affecting his friends as well. It's really interesting, too, because a lot of superheroes and villains have secret identities and secret lives. How difficult is it to live in a state of multiplicity? 
I'm actually really glad that you brought up this question, especially using the word multiplicity. Some people think that multiplicity refers to secret identities and different identities. More recently, multiplicity has actually become a term to refer to different identities that people with dissociative identity disorder might have. And so multiplicity might refer to different parts of us. In some situations, these parts might know about one another. In other situations, kind of the classic example of DID of dissociative identity disorder, an individual's identities might not know of one another or remember one another, and the individual might refer periods of blackouts, for example, where they might not remember what happened because the other identity took over. But different people have different presentations, as I said. When we're talking about superheroes and supervillains and different types of identities, I imagine that it's not easy because for anyone out there who's ever pretended to be someone they're not, trying to maintain a facade, trying to keep up with the lies, whether it's exciting or whether it's intimidating at first, I think gets really stressful later on. And after a while, I think our identity either disappears or becomes more pronounced than whatever identity we create. I briefly mentioned how Peter's struggles start bleeding into his friends and his family and people who know him. They start to become targets as well. So Peter's struggle with controversy soon just spreads to his friends MJ and Ned, and their lives become affected just for associating with him. They both become somewhat of pariahs, and even though they're both very good students and highly qualified, they're rejected from every college that they apply to. It would appear that social pressure is very powerful. What are your thoughts on being guilty by association and the demands of social pressure? There's more to it than that. I think that people make assumptions, and we humans are really associative creatures. And so we might think that if one member of a particular group has done something we might not agree with, we automatically make a generalization to every other part of that group. And that's how racism and prejudice gets perpetuated. People will take one extreme example of something, maybe an individual's bad behavior and attribute it to the entire group. Now, in this case, we're actually not talking about bad behaviors. Of course, we're talking about Spider-Man's heroics and people misinterpreting his intentions and then overgeneralizing his intentions to his friends and family. I think this happens everywhere. And it's really unfortunate that people, again, I think out of fear, might create or cast judgments without really getting to know the individual. That's a lot of pressure to put on these kids just for knowing Peter. And I, I, I do feel bad for them. It's a desperate situation for Peter. I kind of see why he went out and requested help. So when Peter meets up with the other two Spider-Men, who are Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield from the previous Spider-Man franchises, they seem to connect through their loss, guilt, and the sacrifices they made. 
what are your thoughts on connecting through our trauma and our shared experiences like this? Most people, especially the three Spider-Men that we meet, feel incredibly alone in their traumatic experiences. Trauma in itself is painful enough as it is, losing someone that we love, having a secret identity, having our lives change in a blink of an eye, really, and feeling the sense of moral injury, which all of them do over a loss of somebody they care about, somebody they couldn't save, makes people feel really alone. And I think for all three, Spider-Man, they all thought that there was nobody that they could talk to about it. But meeting together, I think they essentially created a Spider-Man support group. They were able to help one another. They're all so kind and so sweet. They're all your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? They all just want to do the right thing and help other people. But in this film, in this universe, they were able to help one another and not just help other Spider-Man, but receive help from other Spider-Man. They had the opportunity to really process their traumatic experiences and really have a mirror for what they were going through because without each other, they never had an opportunity to talk to somebody who really understood them. And I imagine that was incredibly therapeutic for them as I think it would be for anybody who'd been through a traumatic experience. And I think that's why going to therapy and therapy support groups are so helpful. Hey. What are like some of the craziest villains that you guys have fought? Seems you've met some of them. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I fought a, an alien made out of black goo once. Oh, no way. I fought an alien too, on Earth and in space. Oh, yeah, he was purple. I want to fight an alien. I'm, I'm, I'm still like that you fought an alien in space. <laughs> I'm lame compared, like I fought a Russian guy in a like a rhinoceros machine. Can, can we rewind it back to the I'm lame part? Because you are not. No, thanks. No, yeah, I appreciate it. I'm not saying I'm lame. But I'm just saying like- a self-talk, maybe we should, you yeah. know, listen. Because uh, you're, you're amazing. Just to take it in for a minute. Yeah, 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 I can you, take it in. No, I can take you it. are amazing. I can take that. You are amazing. Thank you, yeah, thanks. Will you say it? No, I kind of needed to hear that. Thank you. God, this is so cool. I always wanted brothers. It was such a beautiful scene, the way that they just, reached out to one another and mostly reached out to, you know, the Peter of this universe because he was just coming in with his own trauma of losing Aunt May. It was in that moment where he was vengeful. He just wanted to go and kill the Green Goblin. It was such a beautiful scene. I loved it so much. Each Spider-Man has their separate origin stories. They each have different loved ones whom they've lost and different social support systems. Can you discuss the value of social support through the lens of these three web-slinging icons? Well, I think in general, for most people, we are wired for connection, for belonging, for emotional safety. Some people are calling emotional safety the sixth love language especially for trauma survivors and for all three Spider-Men that we've observed that we grew up with, you're right. Each and every one of them lost somebody, somebody different, whether it was Uncle Ben, Aunt May, or Gwen Stacy. Each and every one of them 
knows what it means to not just lose somebody, but to feel responsible for losing somebody. None of these tragedies were their fault. In all of these situations, they were the survivor of a terrible, terrible tragedy, terrible trauma, terrible experience, something that certainly a child shouldn't have had to feel responsible for. And yet all of them do, specifically because they're superheroes. And I think that we are all wired for social support in general. And I think having the kind of friends that the Tom Holland's depiction of Spider-Man has is invaluable for our healing. And at the same time, I also think that it's really important for all three of them to see each other in this kind of a support system because I think their own friends without these superpowers were not able to understand the weight, the pressure of this trauma for somebody who is superpowered. Yeah. Speaking of superpowers like these Spider-Men have, there was this beautiful scene where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man got some redemption because he lost Gwen Stacy. She fell off the building and died. And there's a point where MJ falls off the building and he saves her and he gets that redemption back. He gets that moment back that he lost. He gets to save this other Spider-Man's loved one. And it's such a beautiful scene because you could see the tears in his eyes. How awesome was that scene? And what is the power of redemption? It's life-changing, right? It creates a, a fulfillment of sense of purpose. After something traumatic happens, a lot of times we might feel either as if we have no meaning or we might feel this sense of helplessness and hopelessness. And for some people, they might be pulled to the brinks of depression, whereas others might find a sense of purpose from this. And some people might experience both. And in fact, most people experience both, where we might feel very depressed and feel really hopeless and also find this new sense of purpose where we don't want anybody else to experience what we've been through. And I think this is why people who choose to become, let's say, first responders after having lost somebody, every time they save somebody's life, it means something to them because they get to feel more empowered they get to do something that really means a lot to them. They get to, in a sense, respond to their moral injury, a trauma that wasn't their fault to begin with, but they think that by fulfilling this sense of purpose, it creates a really important pathway for healing. And for Andrew Garfield's version of Peter Parker, I think it was absolutely vital. Just like all the Spider-Mans come back to this universe or multiverse or whatever it is, most of the villains from the series come back as well. And most of the villains that are brought back to this universe have died in their universe. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. So this causes a great deal of inner conflict in the Peter from this universe. 
he understands that these villains have done evil things, but he still believes that saving them and essentially curing them is the right thing to do. What are your thoughts on Peter's viewpoint here? And why do you think he is showing this level of compassion for these villains? I think that the Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker knows what it means to be villainized. And I think also knows how any hero is one bad day away from becoming a supervillain. And I think that it's that. And I also think it's his sense of compassion. I think it's his willingness to see the best in everyone that I think allows him to consider that there's more to majority of these quote-unquote villains than meets the eye. For most of them, it was either the chemical or the electricity or the particular bug of virus, (laughs) eels, yes, or mental illness. You know, Max was like the sweetest guy ever before he fell into a pool of electric eels. That'll do it. I do want to bring up one gripe I had with this film since we're talking about it. Unfortunately, a lot of times individuals with dissociative identity disorder and or schizophrenia, people who might have multiple identities or might have been exposed to or experienced psychosis, who might hear voices, for example, are often villainized and pathologized and are depicted as violent. And it's really unfortunate because I think that seeing the Green Goblin, I think, perpetuated the continuation of the stereotype. Majority of people with dissociative identity disorder and also majority of of people with schizophrenia, including people with paranoid schizophrenia, are not only not violent, but actually are afraid of people and are more likely to be hurt by other people than to hurt others. And so I just wanted to say that I think it was the current Peter Parker's understanding that everyone has a story and maybe everyone deserves a chance that I think allowed him to consider the possibility that these individuals could be helped, that thinking of them as villains dehumanize them, right? But thinking of them as people with a problem allowed him to to think of ways that that maybe he could help them and that his friends could help them to to get the kind of support that they needed. This brought up a really interesting concept and perspective for me because Peter is such a compassionate superhero and he's so wonderful. And he does end up trusting the Green Goblin and that leads to the demise of his Aunt May. Kind of like how Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker let the robber go and he ended up shooting Uncle Ben. In situations where there's some kind of tragedy or a loss or something, as humans, we tend to take it on and blame ourselves. But in a situation like this, where it's almost like a cause and effect thing that their compassion or indifference led to the death of their loved one, that kind of blame and guilt is otherworldly. How could these Peters deal with that level of guilt and that blame? Because as humans, we're hungry to blame ourselves. Well, I think a lot of times when we experience a devastating situation, we want to blame somebody 
whether it's ourselves, whether it's another person, because it's easier to blame somebody than to blame nobody. It's easier to think about our fault because it gives us an essence of control. It makes us think that if only I do things differently, nothing bad will happen. And we do have some element of control, but we can't control everything. And I think sometimes we blame ourselves as a defense mechanism from the realization that some situations are out of our control. That sometimes we might do quote unquote everything right and something bad might happen anyway. And sometimes even if we try to help everybody, even if we try to be as careful as we can, somebody might end up getting hurt. It doesn't mean that somebody needs to be blamed. It might mean in some situations that somebody might need to be held accountable, like the robber that shot Uncle Ben, for example, like Green Goblin. But I think more than anything, it means this reminder that sometimes things are out of our control and that life is uncertain. And I think the willingness to sit with that uncertainty so that we can truly be present with every aspect of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Even after what happened, Peter still continues to find room for his compassion again and not be consumed by his sadness and the rage that he felt and the desire for this revenge and this guilt that he was going through. How is something like that possible in these situations <laughs> to continue finding room for compassion, even though it was so rough for him? I think that when we focus on blame, Brene Brown defines blame as a discharge of pain. When we focus on this discharge of pain, we're essentially just sitting in it. We're continuing to suffer. And I think if there's a way to make room for all emotions, grief, love, connection, sadness, anger, guilt, it can allow us to then be more compassionate toward other people. Emotions are all or none deal. And so if we try to suppress our grief, for example, it's going to be harder for us to be compassionate. But if we're willing to sit with all of them, if we're willing to sit with grief and anger and sadness and make room for all of these emotions, just as Peter was trying to make room for all of the superheroes and villains and everyone of all the universes, then it will be easier for us to feel all of them. And that includes compassion, which is so important to Peter Parker. He's the definition of compassion. And when he is vengeful, he's no longer Spider-Man. Oh, wow. That's an interesting perspective there because he's probably not Spider-Man anymore if he's captivated by vengeance. So in the end, the only way to really resolve this situation is to allow Dr. Strange to wipe everybody's minds and memories clean. And this means that even MJ and Ned will no longer know who Spider-Man is. It's a, it's a huge sacrifice that he has to take on to kind of heal the world. It's just a compelling characteristic to have in a hero. It would be so hard. Say, if I had to have you forget me forever, it would be devastating. 
<laughs> but yet, I would probably do it too because you have to save the world. Peter, you're struggling. Have everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. I think that to some degree, the characters in this situation, so we're talking about Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man, he had two choices that were both painful choices. One choice was to keep people knowing who he is and to lose a lot of people, having a lot of innocent people die. And choice number two was to save a lot of people but not have friends or not have people remember who he is. They're both painful choices. In one instance, in the first instance, he's powerless and he's going against his moral code. In the second instance, he's powerful because he's making a choice. He's doing something to change his situation and he's taking an action within his moral compass. And I think that in itself is an empowering step. So I really think there was only one clear choice. Yeah, it's just so beautiful and such a wonderful movie and so inspiring <laughs> in so many ways. I can't wait to see the next Marvel installment. It's going to be great. So I, I think this is a good opportunity for us to end this episode. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Dark Agents, Book One, Violet and the Trial of Trauma. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Superhero Therapy Podcast. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind and take care. <laughs>